it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Here we go. The chaos continues, and I can't put it into words how crazy it was last night. I was glued to all of it, watching the uh, the ouster of the speaker as well as his hour press conference afterwards. That was remarkably candid and insightful and interesting. And it doesn't look like he's going to go, any, uh, go anywhere. But it's another quick uh, anecdote. Looks like Speaker Pelosi had a special office for somebody who's no longer speaker but special in her mind. And that is gone. She's out of that office. So she's uh, somebody or staffer is putting bubble wrap on that. I tell you right now, Democrats are not going to be happy that Kevin McCarthy's out. Uh, this hour, we're going to be joined by Rich Lowry, uh, the editor of National Review. And uh, Brett Baer is standing by. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The judge in Donald Trump's civil fraud trial has issued a limited gag order after the former president posted a phony and personal criticism of the judge's law clerk. The judge quickly called Trump and his lawyers to meet in private and then ordered all parties in the case to stop making remarks about court staff. Uh, well, there you go. The Trump team is gagged by the left-wing judge after he posted on tr- something he posted on Truth Social. The penalty? Serious sanctions. Really? What is more serious than already sanctioning him $250 million? Day three today. Number two. Asked by the judge on Tuesday if he understood the alleged crimes and penalties, which can include up to 25 years in prison if convicted, Hunter Biden responded in a soft but determined voice. Yes, Your Honor. At his side, lead attorney Abby Lowell, at one point arguing a statute Biden is accused of violating, a ban on gun possession for drug users, is unconstitutional. Catherine Herridge, uh, Hunter, pleads not guilty on gun charges. It's the worst yet to come for the unemployed, prostitute-loving former drug abuser. We will see. If there is justice, this will eventually land on Joe. We have it all. Also, who is paying the legal bills for Hunter? They're about a million dollars a month. Where do you get that without a job? Number one. On this vote. The yeas are 216. The nays are 210. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. Gavel is gone. Speaker McCarthy lost the gavel as Matt Gates and seven other House Republicans joined Democrats to oust him. Never has there been, never done before in history and should not have happened at all last night, in my view. We have all the drama, the impact, as well as the fallout. Brett Baer joins us right now. Brett, I watched your coverage last night. When did you realize that this was this was for real and it was not going to go well for McCarthy? Well, as that vote was, you know, tallying, uh, once you got to six and then you got to seven, uh, of Republicans, it was kind of over uh, unless they changed their vote or Democrats voted with McCarthy. And um, that clearly wasn't happening. Democrats held the line, 208 of them, uh, voting together at the uh, behest of the minority leader, Jeffries. And I think you're right in saying that Democrats are not um, fully thinking this out. You know, Speaker McCarthy could negotiate with Democrats. It was something that really made Matt Gates and some other 
of the eight upset, uh, but he got the deals across the finish line, um, and they had the votes. Now there's a real question about how this, you know, whoever the speaker is, uh, what that relationship is, and you know, the ability to get things done either across the aisle or on your own. So we know this. There was only eight. So I would love to work at a job, Brett, where I had 96% approval rating. I mean, there's 210 yeah. people who think he's doing a good job. And there's eight that think he doesn't. I think that's pretty good, but not good enough uh, because of the simple one-vote majority that he needed and no Democrat won his way. Some of the things that they said that they played his, uh, his face the nation appearance – and they didn't like the way McCarthy blamed Democrats. He also didn't like the way McCarthy handled the January 6th investigation and the impeachment inquiry. So together they thought, we're just going to sit on the sidelines for this. But already you see that Speaker Pelosi is now out of her office. And now if anything from the future speaker should should you learn from the past speaker, it is whatever you do, don't walk across the aisle. And that's not going to be good for Democrats. No, that's right. And in fact, this morning, Steny Hoyer is out of his uh, office on Capitol Hill. Um, and it's also a little alcove that was because he's been around so long that McCarthy, you know, allowed. And now because of Democrats holding the line against McCarthy, um, the Speaker Pro Tem, who's in place, uh, is now saying hit the road. So I want you to hear McCarthy. How uh, did you did you watch a lot of that press conference yesterday? Yeah, I did. I, watched I knew it you were on the air too. Uh, here's Speaker McCarthy talking about the people that ousted him. Cut two. I don't think it says about the Republican Party. I think it says something about some people who are not a conservative. I mean, if you were a conservative and you only had one entity making the battle and you vote against securing the border, you vote against cutting fund this wasteful spending. And then you partner with all the Democrats. Now, you'll phrase it all the other different ways. That's not a conservative. So, you know, when Jim Jordan actually looked like he was upset last night with Sean Hattie, like physically upset, and you would think that the Mr. Conservative, like from the Freedom Caucus founder, he would be mad at Kevin McCarthy. He wasn't conservative enough. He wasn't. Same with Chip Roy. He said, if Matt Gates come to my office, I'll basically fight him if he said if, he's, if he wants to pull this over here. So... Um, and everyone seems to agree, except Matt Gates, that this is personal. Nobody has better sources in Washington than you. Do you have anyone that told you this wasn't anything but personal? No. I mean, besides Matt Gates. Um, but, you know, this is about, you know, it, it started with the vendetta. He said it was about um, because he didn't have. Uh, regular order on the appropriations bills, but they got 70% of them done. And it's pretty amazing if you think of all the things that they actually did get done with that slim majority. Um, The fact that he had to agree in order to be speaker to have this vacate motion that could come up with one person is – it's just untenable. And if that one person is Matt Gates. Um, you know, he basically assured that whoever the speaker is next will change that rule, and uh, that will not be the case. So uh, it's Andy Biggs, Ken Buck, Tim Burkhardt, who I spoke to today. Uh, he said this is the most interesting thing. So Congressman Tim Burkhardt, for all 15 rounds of voting, he's friends with Kevin McCarthy. He voted for Kevin McCarthy last time. 
He says this time he told CNN he's going to pray about it. So McCarthy called him up and says, hey, we're friends. What is there to pray about? He took it as McCarthy was mocking the fact that he was praying. So he voted against him. Nancy Mace was against the speed in which women's issues were hitting the floor on abortion as well as gun charges. Matt Rosendale says, I'll never vote for a continuing resolution. Therefore, if this comes up, I'll look to oust him. Eli Crane thinks he's voting. He's doing what his constituents want him to do. Ken Buck, I'm not sure what he's up to, but was never a McCarthy fan. And Andy Biggs, reportedly, I was talking to, texting with a few congressmen today. They say a lot of the same people were holding up the appropriations bills that were, they were working on over the summer. And now they're critical that they didn't come forward. For example, if you're working on term limits. And you say, okay, let's keep it to three term limits. All right. Well, what's the Senate doing? Three. Well, one is 18 years and one is six years. Should you have more imbalance between the bodies? Obviously, regardless of where you stand, that's a debate. So it doesn't mean they're a fractious debate. It means a disagreement. Let's debate this out. So they couldn't get it done in the summer. Maybe they should have come back and done more face-to-face. But this thing called Zoom and conference calls makes it possible to get stuff done in the offseason. It's really amazing. Like I had Nancy Mace on the show last night, and you know, the argument is is kind of backwards if you look at where she's been before. I mean, she tweeted out against Matt Gates, uh, saying you need to vote for these these things. This is what is conservative. And yet, when push came to the shove, she became one of the eight. <laughs> now, I think some of those decisions had to do more about politics we- at home and getting reelected than it did anything else. And, you know, this is not a fan of Donald Trump. This is not, um, you know, a person who is super right wing, um, but I, she's made a splash. And uh, I, I don't know how it's going to play. I don't think it'll play well within the caucus. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll see what's going to happen now for a week. They're going to debate. So Steve Scalise is going to be out there. Now, I didn't think Steve Scalise and Ken McCarthy were really even speaking much prior to his illness anyway. Their relationship wasn't too great uh, since he became speaker. Am I correct? Yeah, it was, you know, wasn't horrible, but it wasn't buddy-buddy, uh, I don't think. Here's what Steve Scalise said yesterday. The audio's not great. Cut 10. Clearly, within our conference, we have a very tight majority. We always knew that. Getting things done was going to be difficult in a tight majority. Right. It still will be. Right. So no matter who's going to be the next speaker, the challenges still remain. But I think the opportunity is there to continue moving forward. We set a precedent last week for how to start coming together to get appropriations bills done. Uh, there's a template for getting the remainder of them done and a firm commitment. And I think our conference is ready to keep moving forward. So if Scalise, if Scalise seems to have Matt Gates's endorsement, does Tom Emmers run against him? Does Jim or Jordan run against him? Or does Steve Scalise, especially knowing that he's next and knowing that he's going through this blood cancer treatment for the next few months, do people get out of the way? I think it's a great question. Um, you know, Byron Donald's name is flying around. Um, well, and so is former President Trump, who has been nominated by at least five members um, and apparently has said, well, maybe I'll take it for a little while and then hand it over, you know, uh, according to Sean Hannity. Um, so, listen, I think that um, I, I think that Scalise is in the poll position. 
I do think that there'll be a, a question about leadership and what they pledge to do uh, in the wake of all of this. And they got to do it fast because the public's attention span for this level of chaos is not high. Now, Tom Cole was on last night, congressman from Oklahoma, chairman of the Rules Committee, and he said, listen, we've got a long time to go before the election, and this will be worked out. Yes, it will eventually be worked out. But if it drags on and there's another 15-round <laughs> votes, it just, just does not portray any level of competence of governing. So um, a couple of things. Number one, Tom Cole did tell you he's not interested, even though his name's on the list, to being speaker, correct? He did. He did say that. But, you know, sometimes people are reluctant leaders. So he is a compromised candidate. Listen to what Newt Gingrich said. Cut 16. Well, first, I think it's a very sad day because I think Kevin McCarthy is one of the most talented leaders I've ever worked with. I think that he accomplished an amazing amount for having a small majority and being having to take on both the Senate and the White House. And I think this is really a tragic outcome. Uh, this was a leader who both gained seats in 2020, gained seats in 2022, increased the number of women members, increased the number of veterans, increased the number of minority members, uh, and he had a vision for a better future. You know why they did it? Because ultimately, Matt Gates, who hates, and let's be clear, he hates Kevin McCarthy, was determined no about it. to find a way to get to today. Let me be very clear. And I think clear. it's disgraceful, and I hope they expel him from the conference. I'm not sure that's going to happen. You need a two-thirds vote, and it's something to do with his ethics violation. It was texted me that the speaker it's a, it's illegal for the speaker to get involved in an ethics investigation for or against Matt Gates. so we couldn't have gotten rid of it anyway. And that's what Matt Gates reportedly was so upset about. Final thought on this? Well, I think it, it did come down to personal, and I do think that um, that there wasn't a plan. I mean, it is kind of like the dog that caught the car, and um, you just don't know what's next. Um, and for all the people, and I saw Vivek Ramaswamy get on a video and say, chaos is good. Um, I'm not sure that that fully appreciates how Washington works. And uh, if you have 80% of what you want, Ronald Reagan used to say, take it and you know, fight for the 20% later. You can't go all in if you don't have the votes. If you have the votes, you can get sweeping things done. If you can't, you take what you can. Half a loaf is better than no loaf. And um, right now, Republicans are in no loaf territory. To rescue the uh, constitutions coming out next week, I had, a, I had the galley copy. I loved it, even without pictures, which it says a lot about me. I mean, this Think is about how this much is such better a, it'll be with pictures. Right. I, I can't wait. And it's not bendable uh, like the, other, the paper one was. No, it's really great and so important. People think, hey, we won the Revolutionary War. What's the big deal? It was a huge deal. We had no constitution. We had to put one together. And then we had to get this leader and how they got to Washington and how he had to come out of retirement to do it. It's all in your brand new book. And I can't wait to see the special. When is the special? It's this Sunday, um, and it's 10 p.m. this Sunday. It's uh, listen. I'm really proud of the book. I think it, it's uh, it's going to be fun to talk about, especially in this environment where we're kind of in a constitutional crisis of sorts. And um, you know, George Washington is. We could use a George Washington now. I would say so. Uh, I'm pro George Washington, and I'm willing to go on the record <laughs> in saying that he would be speaker if he wanted. 
Uh, maybe not. Right. Maybe not. Uh, who knows? He wore his pants kind of high. Uh, yeah, so, Brett, it's really important, and the good news is you can go to Mount Vernon and study for this one instead of Hyde Park. So you got to go that's just right. a, through a tunnel uh, to just, work on this. That's right, and it was, it's uh, a lot of fun. Those people out there were great, and I know you do these history things, and it, it makes such a difference when these folks get really engaged and trying to get those stories that have really been forgotten out, uh, especially for younger generation. True. Uh, Bretton, you're doing that, and it's great. And I think uh, it's going to be a great discussion, great special. We'll have you in studio next week. It comes out on Tuesday to rescue the Constitution. Uh, go ahead and pre-order it. Brett, we'll see you tonight on a special report. Okay, Brett. You see got you. it. Uh, Rich Lowry at the bottom of the hour. Your call's next, one 7669 Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I think the protective dam around Hunter Biden is starting to break. We know from Chairman Comer's investigation, Sean, that the big guy was very involved. His father was very involved in his business dealings, despite Joe Biden's lie to the American people during the debate where he said, I've never discussed business with my son. We know that that's all a lie from the Comer investigation. Now, today, that's Hunter Biden on the screen. He's a criminal defendant. This is not civil. He wasn't held not, he didn't claim I'm not liable. He claimed not guilty. These are serious charges. Well, and that is, that is Kellyanne Conway. It's easy to forget that, that pleading not guilty was Hunter Biden in court yesterday. He wanted to avoid that scene. That deal that was cut was blown up because people looked at it and, and realized it. Uh, David Weiss sitting there in court, evidently, according to the sketch. What I think is phenomenally idiotic is the 60 Minutes interview when they asked Merrick Garland, and they use this as an example of there is no dual, uh, dual uh, justice, dual paths on justice, Republicans and Democrats. He, he didn't even acknowledge that it was a sweetheart deal that was cut that was blown up by a judge who said, I've never seen anything like this. And the deal fell apart because it was so unbalanced and biased, and it took five years to come up with nothing except for some type of diversionary program. Now, Hunter Biden is warned, communicate all international travel plans, seek employment. Can you believe that has to be court mandated? All medications must be prescribed and must, partic- and must participate in substance abuse counseling, you think? Meanwhile, he's suing everybody back, and they estimate that his legal costs are a million dollars a month. Where does an unemployed guy living at the White House get that kind of money? We'll discuss that with Rich Lowry, editor of National Review, on this historic day after the Speaker ouster. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
The reason Kevin McCarthy went down today is because nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy has made multiple contradictory promises, and when they all came due, he lost, he lost votes of people who maybe don't even ideologically agree with me on everything. Take, for example, my colleague from South Carolina, Ms. Mace. She's, she has different views than I do on a variety of subjects, but what we had in common, Kevin McCarthy lied to all of us. All right, uh, so there you go. Um, by the way, look at all her, all his colleagues. Ninety, you have over two hundred and ten who had no problem with him, but nine that didn't. So therefore, he's out. Rich Lowry, editor of National Review. Rich, you pride yourself on your knowledge and experience. Is this something that you never ever expected to see happen, or did you think it was inevitable when he agreed to what he agreed to to become speaker? I thought a, a challenge was inevitable. A, a little surprised that it worked, but once Democrats decided, you know, well, there's no way we're going to give a Republican speaker our votes, especially not Kevin McCarthy, it was, the math got really tough. Uh, so because he was so upset by a bar, bipartisan deal that McCarthy made with Democrats to keep the government open last weekend, uh, Gates leveraged the unanimous support of the Democratic caucus to cancel out, in effect, the overwhelming sentiment of the Republican caucus in favor of Kevin McCarthy. So he was able to use, you know, eight, nine Republicans and all the Democrats to impose his his will on the Republican caucus. So there's a reason people are uh, spitting spitting uh, flames at this guy. So so this is what Matt Gabe went on to say last night. Cut six. I think we should move on and find somebody else. What's paralyzed the House of Representatives has been the failure of Speaker McCarthy. What paralyzed the House of Representatives was not taking up appropriations bills. We left for a six-week vacation while the appropriations process hung in the balance. And because I forced these people to take a few votes, you think I'm paralyzing the House of Representatives? I think the House of Representatives is been paralyzed for the last several decades as we've refused to pass a budget and as we've governed by continuing resolution and omnibus bill. So I think that this represents the ripping off of the Band-Aid. So 269 days, shortest tenure for a speaker in 147 years. So he thinks the Kevin McCarthy has paralyzed the House. Did you think that they were uh, underperforming? No, I thought they were overperforming. They, they they were doing a pretty good job, you know. As we've talked about a lot, the investigation into to uh, J- Joe Biden and the family influence, influence peddling business had really produced results. They had this D.C. crime bill that the Senate had to to uh, take up. They had various messaging bills that were uh, important. They got a, a debt deal, a sealed a ceiling deal that you know is okay. Uh, not great, but better than could have been expected. But look, Gates is right. I mean, they they should be passing single subjects appropriations bills, and that that should be the norm. And they got away from it. They didn't get away from it from Kevin McCarthy, as he says, has been going on for decades. And he tried to pass these bills. It's just with a narrow majority and um, a small group of Republicans not willing to support anything. It was impossible. You know, he couldn't pass a Republican alternative on the shutdown because Gates and, and company wouldn't vote for it. So Gates is, is the arsonist and the firefighter here because he kind of pushed McCarthy into this position last weekend where there was no way out. So he went went to Democrats. And then he's like, oh, lo, lo and behold, look, you went to Democrats. What a traitor. We have to depose the guy. And then finally I would just say, where's the Matt Gates plan to deal with the debt? He's absolutely right. The debt is out of control. What What is his what is his plan? You know, it's just to complain that about appropriations bills. It's a much bigger problem than that. Um, and he's obviously not serious about taking it on either. So one thing that I was talking to one congressman, I, I did ask Kevin McCarthy two days ago, why weren't these bills out? He said, well, the same people 
blocking those bills were the same ones who were voting against mm-hmm. it. They couldn't get it out of committee. Yeah. And then sure enough, I got this text message this morning from a congressman from Florida. He says it was the same eight that were blocking the appropriations bills from moving to the floor. And as well as what was going to happen with an 8% cut across the board, border funding, and I'm not sure about Ukraine funding, and that was all blown up, and then they, he had to do a deal with Democrats. But guess yeah. who did a deal with Democrats? Matt Gates, because yeah, they all voted yeah. against him. It makes, it makes zero sense. Now, look, I, I think Kevin McCarthy did a, did a good job. Steve Scalise will do a pretty good job, too. And the, the, just to, to be honest, the stakes here are really low. They have a narrow majority in one chamber of con- uh, Congress. They don't have the Senate. They don't have the White House. So there's just limits to what they can do. And this is one, one thing that I don't think another, – another element that doesn't make sense, at least for Matt Gates' purposes – why not just complain right now and then McCarthy have to go through this again in 45 days and get whatever Band-Aid deal they'll, they'll end up with and then depose them? So now the new speaker is going to have to do exactly the same thing Kevin McCarthy did. And if Gates is going to be consistent, he'll have to go and try and depose the new speaker as well. So, John, did you watch any of Kevin McCarthy's hour-long press conference? I didn't. I saw I saw clips and reports about it. So one of the things he did was was take a question on Ukraine. And I thought he was brilliant. I didn't know when he was minority leader that he took a, uh, a trip over to Ukraine right after the invasion of, and the taking of Crimea, at which time he told Joe Biden, then vice president, get them javelins. And they said it would be too provocative. He goes, this is a big deal. You should get them javelins. He's like, no, why don't you leave them in Poland? And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. And that's how we got to where we are right now. But he gave a mini history lesson. And here's a little of what he said. Cut 27. And then he rebuilt his military. And even though it went against the Treaty of Versailles, the world powers said nothing. And then what did he do? He took part of Czechoslovakia. He took Austria. And then he told the entire world he was going to take the rest of it on a given day. So now the world power could not sit back. So in come Neville Chamberlain. But what had happened? Well, Hitler... Loved it because he was equal now to the world power, but he saw weakness. Neville Chamberlain made him sign a piece of paper and told us peace for our time. And then he invaded Poland the next year, and World War II began. He drew the parallel also that Hitler wanted to put together his axis of evil and the axis powers of Japan and Italy and said, let's do this. Guess what Vladimir Putin's doing? China and Iran and North Korea. Let's mm-hmm. do this. They're trying to divorce themselves from what's happening here. And he says, this is the beginning. Are we going to be... Are we going to be doing the same thing again? And that's what I think a lot of short-sighted Republicans are saying when it comes to Ukraine. I'm tired of these wars. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's understandably to, to be tired, um, but we're, we're not fighting it. We just have to fund it. It's expensive. It is a, a drain on our military industrial base. Our military industrial base, obviously, we've learned from this, needs to be uh, much uh, bigger and more robust. But it's, it's now pretty clear it's a war of attrition. And if we don't keep supporting Ukraine, uh, the Russians will win. And there'll be consequences to that that probably will also be really uh, expensive and dangerous. So I, I take the point, you know, Biden was too cautious. There, there may have been a golden hour there the first year where the Ukrainians, if we gave them everything they needed, they really could have pushed the Russians, you know, almost all the way back to uh, the country's sovereign borders. I don't – doesn't seem as though that's in prospect now. And it just looks like it's going to be this grinding art- artillery fight until finally someone or both parties are just exhausted. 
Right. Fifty uh, percent of the Russian military has been destroyed and uh, and exposed, and they are starting to blow up their navy in Crimea and forge their own Black Sea path when it comes to grain, which is pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Now there's going to be an urgency and a push to clean up. I say get them weapons, not money. So we'll see where we go from there. I do want to ask you about President Trump. And President Trump, you know, is on trial, and he's showing up for three straight days in a civil yep. trial, which is making my head explode. It's so confusing and aggravating. But I thought one thing was pretty uh, noteworthy. In Washington Post, they're starting to pick up what we're all saying. What the hell is going on here? This last push is even worse than Bragg. Going ahead and looking at his wealth dating back 10, 15 years and saying that banks and insurance co- and in construction companies were all duped. And Ruth Marcus, of all people, writes... Has New York gone too far? Make him pay, uh, but uh, uh, any dispensation on his business, as judge ordered, seems both unnecessary and unduly uh, punitive, disproportionate to the offenses charged, and says these charges uh, are not for anyone to buy, uh, uh, to do anything but bury him. And he goes on. <laughs> yeah. This is Ruth Marcus. Is she a conservative? She's not, but she, she's she's a, you know a reasonable, truth-telling liberal who occasionally uh, will say things I, I agree with, and I agree with this. You know, is he guilty? Yeah. Did he exaggerate his numbers? Of course he did. Are they only going after him because he's Donald Trump? Obviously. I mean, they've they've more or less said as much, and that's that's a deep injustice here. And they're they're going to you know destroy his business, and then next year they're going to try to deny him his freedom. Uh, and it's something like we've never seen before. Right. And is that doesn't seem to be OK with the American people, does it, Rich? No. I mean, you know, Republicans obviously have rallied around around him. I mean, the latest polling, it just seems to show the debates don't matter. And, uh, you know, when you got one candidate, DeSantis, a distant second in Iowa and then another candidate, Nikki Haley, distant second in New Hampshire, that's not a formula for success. You know, that's not a formula for the non-Trump uh, candidates to 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 get it done. What will be interesting, assuming Trump's Trump's a nominee next year, is just how to independence regard all this. Because they're the the natural reflex of the American public is one to think if you're accused of if you're a politician and you're accused of something, you're guilty, you know, for understandable reasons. But then also to to, to tend to think that the charges brought or the investigations against this said politician are also political. And we've seen that in the polling. Uh, you know, pr- pretty about 50 percent think Trump. Or, is guilty of various things he's been accused of, and about 50% think the charges are political. So which of those is going to uh, sentiments is going to win out next year when we when we uh, presumably have a trial or, or two, or is it just you know uh, the 50 for both and 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 we'll, we'll uh, it, it'll be a real a real tough fight. That, that that'll be that's a key political question. Yeah, real clear average. Trump is up by two or three points, and we see where this whole thing is trending because because the president uh, current president has been so terrible. Uh, with the economy yep. and with the border specifically and and socially and, and what he's doing with this green uh, is green mission. Uh, yep. So we're seeing it. Uh, it's fascinating, Rich. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks, Brian. Talk to Rich you. Larry, National Review. Uh, listen, your turn. Brian Kilmeade here. When we come back, you could also write me at briankilmeade.com. That's what I meant to say. one 408 We have a lot more to discuss, a lot more elements uh, to go over. You're listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show because you're smart. Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Kilmeade coming up.
The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I can't possibly speculate or get into hypotheticals about what's going to happen to the speakership in the House. I want to be clear about that. But again, there's enough support from Republicans in the House, not just members, although that's included, but leaders, that the president remains confident that we'll continue to get the support we need. Uh, we'll see about Ukraine. I know the Speaker of the House gets it, and most people like Michael uh, Michael Waltz get it, and I think most Republicans get it, and all the Democrats will pretend to get it. They'll just vote for it because Joe Biden has it. But what they're trying to say is it's a bigger story, and what's made it so bad is the President of the United States is incapable of explaining why we're doing it and what our mission is and what the end looks like and where our money's going and what's, what's been happening. Kevin McCarthy actually nailed it. I broke it up into a series of sound bites. He nailed it last night on, on why it's important to be there. And that he got there, you know, when he was vice president, when Barack Obama was the president, he was vice president. Kevin McCarthy also said that he thought that the president had a good team around him that he's dealt with before. But this president just doesn't like anything to do with the military and doesn't like explaining anything. Actually, what's worse is I don't think he's capable of explaining anything. Uh, and that's a big uh, and that's the big deal because he's going to be right now. He made calls last night to different European leaders to say, don't worry about it. the funding will be there. But do you know who loves the, the fact that the funding is now hitting some uh, turbulence? Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin's loving it, saying, look, the West support is, fa- is is fading. You know, Germany's not coming across what they promised. The U.S. is only going to give 31 tanks. Now they're having trouble funding it during this time. And now there's technically no money. And the, the Ukrainians are making great progress now. They're starting to move in on the traditional fr- front, counterinsurgency. And they're going around back to Crimea. But that's not the only issue. I think they got that story. I think Republicans have a positive story when it comes to the economy. Do you know that in a Gallup poll, the Republicans are 20 percent more preferred on the economy than Democrats? That's pretty unbelievable. So look at this. Which political party do you think will do a better job of keeping the country prosperous? Fifty three percent say Republican Party. Thirty nine percent say Democrat. Do you think anybody was seeing that last night? They feel it. Which political party do you think could do a better job of handling the problem you think is most important? 44% said Republican, 36% said Democrat. The Democrats are making it easy for Republicans to have a huge 2024. Pick the right candidates. The issues are coming your direction. But you just went out of your way to blow yourself up. Shoot yourself in the foot. Ken Buck, Andy Biggs, Tim Burchett, Eli Crane, Matt Gates, of course, Bob Good. I was watching him, too. He's a huge critic. Uh, Nancy Mace, for a totally different reason, and Matt Rosendale says he just doesn't want to vote for anything. One thing Matt Rosendale evidently prayed for was for a small majority in the House so it would empower some of the more radical elements of his party. Steve Scalise wants to be the next speaker. Uh, Jim Jordan would not walk away from it. He didn't say, no, no, I don't want to do it. But when it became official that Kevin McCarthy was out and he was upset about it, This is what he said about possibly becoming Speaker Cut 13. I'm going to talk to the conference over the next week, Sean. I think that's the key. I don't. I think this is a day where we'd say, look, what happened here was not good. I think what happened to Kevin McCarthy was not fair. Let's figure out how we come together as a conference and focus on our agenda. Focus on the three things this this Congress, I think, is about. And we've passed many of the bills we told the country we would do. We need to stay focused on that. Pressure the Senate to actually bring them up, for goodness sake. Continue to do the oversight. And then obviously deal with this appropriation process and the spending bill that has to be done before the end of the year. 
Well, uh, they thought they were en route to doing it, but now it stopped. If you saw how shaken up Jim, uh, Jim Jordan looked. So I love people that are writing me today because I had a kind of a mini brawl with Tim Burchett because his explanation from why he ousted McCarthy was as stupid as his vote when he said that well, I prayed upon it and I think Kevin McCarthy was mocking me that I was praying on it. When McCarthy explained last night, I wasn't mocking him. I thought we were friends. Do you really need to pray on my future? Being that you voted for me 15 times and we've never had a crossword for each other, now we find out that you think, well, he's mocking the fact that he's praying so that he's going to get uh, rid of him. And that's where he made the call, and it ended up getting worse, and he votes against him. Nancy Mace, for an entirely different reason, uh, totally different from what Matt Gates and Eli Crane would vote against. And Congressman Ken Buck, I guess, wants more bipartisanship. Who knows? Victor Davis Hanson on Matt Gates and his mission. Cut 15. Gates's argument was that McCarthy consulted too much, too frequently, too friendly with Democrats, but he used Democrats to oust McCarthy. So it was so hypocritical and contradictory and counterproductive at a time when the Republicans have no margin of error and they need to unite in every aspect of that word. And here they're committing collective suicide. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, the president of the United States is about to start day three of his fraud trial. So he is now speaking with the press. I think this is a brilliant move. Number one, it really is personal to him. They're going after his family and his business. And as I indicated before with uh, Rich Lowry, there's a lot of people who are not comfortable with this, who are big Trump critics and will not vote for him in a million years. As the Washington Post went on to say, Ruth Marcus, the rule of law means not allowing Trump to evade responsibility, criminal or civil, for his behavior. But it also entails not treating Trump more harshly than anyone else in similar circumstances. And I worry that that is what's happening here. We have discussed this. As soon as the evidence in this case and the details of this case came forward, I was flabbergasted. And it's even worse than I thought. And then the Statue of Libertations 2014, the accusations, 80% of which happened before 2014 when he was just hosting The Apprentice. And they're saying, well, we could still look back at those cases, just can't apply in the final verdict. How does that make sense, Judge? From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. I come to you from Midtown Manhattan, about uh, 30 blocks from where President Trump is starting day three of his trial, which is to me is a sham and a scam. Uh, we'll talk about that. The president just spoke and did entertain possibly being the next speaker of the House. Maybe we'll bring some of that back. But you just say, you know, listen, I'm busy running for president. I got these trials, but I'll help out whenever I can. And he says a lot of people are asking me about it. It was actually offered up last night. Why? Because the job is now open. Let's uh, Before we get to Dan Crenshaw this hour, standing by, and then Mike Huckabee, 25 minutes later, uh, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The judge in Donald Trump's civil fraud trial has issued a limited gag order after the former president posted a phony and personal criticism of the judge's law clerk. The judge quickly called Trump and his lawyers to meet in private and then ordered all parties in the case to stop making remarks about court staff. Yeah, here we go. Trump team gagged, I guess, for now by this left-wing judge after he posted on Truth Social uh, the penalty, serious sanctions. Really? More serious than $250 million in his entire empire? I'm pretty sure he can't be intimidated. 
Number two. Asked by the judge on Tuesday if he understood the alleged crimes and penalties, which can include up to 25 years in prison if convicted, Hunter Biden responded in a soft but determined voice. Yes, Your Honor. At his side, lead attorney Abby Lowell, at one point arguing a statute Biden is accused of violating, a ban on gun possession for drug users, is unconstitutional. Hunter pleads not guilty on gun charges. Is the worst yet to come for the unemployed, prostitute-loving, former drug abuser? If there is justice, we'll eventually land on Joe. We have it all. Number one. On this vote, the yeas are 216. The nays are 210. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The Office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. Gavel is gone. Speaker McCarthy lost control yesterday. Matt Gates got what he wanted, along with seven others. Let's not worry about the 210 who wanted him to stay. The Democrats are rejoicing. Never had this been done in history and should never have happened last night. I don't know how Congressman Dan Crenshaw feels about it because he's actually conservative. And the, the accusation was that Kevin McCarthy wasn't conservative enough, not moving the agenda fast enough. He had to go. Congressman, welcome back. Your take on what just happened? Well, I think everybody's still in a little bit of shock. I We all saw this coming. We weren't sure that they were going to have the votes to make it happen. Um, this, is, this, is, this has never happened. Um, I mean, there, there's been a motion to vacate, but it was quickly resolved, you know, over 100 years ago. And, and so you would think that if it was going to happen, that it would happen for um, some, some really heartfelt uh, unique reasons. You know, perhaps this, this, large, um, this large dispute, this very public dispute that, you know, you would, you would imagine would have maybe culminated in something historic like this. But, but, but none of that really happened. You know, the, the truth of the matter was <clears throat> this threat had been looming over McCarthy this entire time. This was very personal. Um, you know, Gates and others will, will, will list a, uh, some grievances here and there, but they're always they're actually always very generalized grievances. If you really pay, pay close attention to what he's saying, what he's really saying is that, well, Kevin lied to me once. Kevin lied to me once, um, betrayed me once. I don't like him very much, and, you know, he needs to go. We have all these problems, and, and Kevin hasn't solved our nation's problems. And, you know, and that, that does sound good in certain sound bites, and for people who don't pay really close attention to Washington or politics or, or honestly the way our government works, those accusations and generalizations can make sense on the surface. But I'm here to tell you, I promise you, like they, they don't actually make sense in practice. You know, Kevin not being a god who could solve all of our problems is not really a good reason to uh, to oust him. Um, but yeah, that's exactly what happened. And, and yeah, and Democrats are rejoicing. I mean, they they thought this was absolutely great. Um, took every single one of their votes to make this happen, and they were happy to give it. And plus, I mean, you can't say that uh, when only eight people out of 200. And 210 say fine, eight say no. I'm, I'd be pretty happy if every if 96% of the people I work with approve of my job. But there, yeah, it, it gets you fired. Good. Right, right. And um, we need the rules changed. Uh, there, there's, there's there's growing consensus in the conference that uh, whoever the next speaker is, um, you, know, you know, obviously Kevin has has, a, has has decided not to run again. Um, you know, that's probably the right choice, I think, for, for his own sanity and and just for the conference moving on from this nonsense. But, you know, there's going to be a next speaker, and none of us want the next speaker to also govern with a gun to his head. 
Uh, by the way, governing with a gun to his head with, with, with people holding that gun who are willing to shoot the hostage. So that makes, that makes any, any movement forward extremely difficult. And you know, you, 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 what you don't want to do is actually make deals with Democrats in order to – because they'll ask for too many things, right? They'll ask for, for parity and uh, e- you know, equal representation on committees. They'll ask for things that will, that will just make it too impossible to, to get any conservative wins through. So you don't want to do that. But you're also finding that you, you can't really get conservative wins through with you know, a small group of people in your own conference. And so there's a math problem here. Um, so at the very least, what, what you're, you're going to see another showdown here, not so much over who the speaker will be. That, that, that usually happens pretty quickly. I'm already seeing some coalescing. I, I don't want to. I don't want to comment on it. Last me, I don't want to comment on it because there's. I think people who are just undecided as, as of yet on, on when they're running. But I think the real drama will be over the rules that govern that new speaker. And a lot of us do not want to see another situation where just a few people who don't represent the vast, vast majority of the conference can just tank the whole thing. Here's Nancy Mace has a different reason than Matt Gates to leave. Cut, cut 11. This is an opportunity for us to unite together and come together and, and find someone who will lead us out of this, who will unite us and do all the things that we said we were going to do on the timeline we said we were going to do them. There is a law in this country in 1974 that requires Congress to have a budget. We didn't even have a budget resolution this year. It requires us to have 12 separate spending bills. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat or who's in charge. That is the law. I didn't want to shut down the government at all. But also, when you have a continuing resolution, we we had this manufactured crisis because we didn't do the spending bills. And then we had to have this emergency crisis to do a CR. This is what Congress does every single year to skirt the law. The law says have a budget and have 12 separate spending bills. Yeah, so there were not appropriation bills. It was explained to me, though, a lot of the same people that are upset about that were blowing up uh, these these bills in conference. Right, right. No, in the there committee. Was, there was some, exactly. No, the, the arson wouldn't let the, the firefighters arrive at the House in many cases. And, yeah, she, 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 she's making what she's she's just as disingenuous as the rest of them. You know, she says she's coming at it from a different angle. Um, she's really not. I am very disappointed in, in, in Nancy Mace. Um, I, I think she's so worried about her right flank uh, in her next primary election that she's willing to do anything there on that front. So anyway, the, the, oh, look, let's talk appropriations bills for 30 seconds. Yes, yes, by law, there's, there's certain dates that are put in place. These aren't magic dates, and they're almost always never met because, look, for one really simple reason, it's actually pretty hard for a bunch of people uh, and a governing body to agree on very complex matters of what money should go where. <laughs> I, I, I don't want this to surprise anyone, but that actually does take a lot of time. Uh, and also by law, if you're talking about what laws can do, by law, you can, you often do resort to a continuing resolution um, while those appropriations bills are put forward. Now, one of the commitments was, yes, have 12 appropriations bill. Now, that commitment hasn't gone anywhere. It's just that the arbitrary deadline that we can change or that we can change for ourselves or stick to um, came on September 30th. Now, there's some question as to whether that should even be the deadline and why it's not just the calendar year um, at the end of December. Either way, there's always going to be a deadline. And, and, and it just wasn't enough. And that was often because now they actually did have these bills finished in committee. Um, they did not bring them to the floor because there was too many Republicans who refused to vote for them. Perhaps Nancy was one of them. Uh, but a lot, a lot of these people who were getting in the way of these continuing resolutions and, and, and threatening McCarthy's ouster, uh, yeah, were getting in the way of even passing these appropriations bills. 
So it's a, it's a, the truth is always a little bit more complicated, a lot more complicated than than these folks want to let on. They want to they want to present these problems to to the voters as these black and white issues where there's good versus evil, and obviously they're on the side of of the noble good statesmen. That's just not true. They leave out ninety percent of the facts every time they talk to you. So you just told me something I didn't know. I didn't know the committees finished their work. They just couldn't bring it to the floor because it didn't have the votes. That's right. So, right. but not, I thought not on, you... every, not on every appropriations bill, but on most of them. I so mean, you they, guys they, were working in the summer. There, there were... Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, appropriations was absolutely working throughout the summer. Yeah. Fascinating, uh, because I did ask Kevin McCarthy that yesterday, not yesterday, the day before yesterday, and he said, you know, we are working through it, but a lot of the people that you're going to see that are complaining are the ones that did not want, uh, would not, would not be impossible to get to a vote. When these bills came to the floor, and I'm thinking to myself, well, who is it? Now we know uh, everyone except Nancy Mace, I guess, uh, tends to go more to the right. Andy Biggs. Uh, now you have Eli Crane, who doesn't vote for anybody. I don't think he ever voted for Kevin McCarthy. Uh, Bob Good, a no. big critic. Matt Rosendale just doesn't vote for CRs, and um, I'm not sure what his problem is. He seems obstinate. He prayed for a close – he played for a slight majority in the House so so the hardliners would have more influence. That's what he asked God for, which is an interesting request. I don't want to speak for God. But Andy Biggs, uh, also big critic. He ran for speaker. And Ken Bach, I'm not sure what planet he's been on. Everybody kind of comes at this from a little different angle. You know, you go through that list and they'll say slightly different things. Um, but in the end, I'd say there's one thing that connects everyone here, which is living in a different political reality um, and wanting different things, perhaps having different objectives or, and different ideas of what of what winning might mean for conservatives. I, I think there's too many people who, who have this belief that the, 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 the mere action – of standing up to your leadership, doesn't matter who your leadership is, that, that mere rebellious action, that, that there's somehow value in that. And that people should look to you as a, as a fighter and a patriot just because of this, of this romanticized rebellion. I, I, I don't see that, right? I, I, I would see delivering conservative wins for your constituents as, as a measure of your winning. And we had a plan to do that. And there's, there's a, these rebels, you know, so-called conservatives, there was 21 of them last Friday, who voted against the most conservative possible stopgap uh, funding measure to keep the government open. And that stopgap funding measure had, had uh, our entire border security bill in it. It had 30 percent cuts to non-defense discretionary spending. So all of your three-letter agencies, 30 percent cut. And they still wouldn't get behind it. They didn't really give any good reason. They were just like, well, the appropriations bills aren't done yet. And we we're like, because you won't vote for them. <laughs> you know? and so it's, it's like, it's like it, I wish people understood the truth here because there's just too many people up here. It's not just those eight who, who did that last night, right? There's, there's a larger group who, who, who deliberately grew with the most conservative path forward just so they can say that that leadership isn't doing what they asked them to do, right, which happened the next day. And then because leadership was was forced to to throw together a, a clean continuing resolution before the Senate stuffed us with theirs because they were going to stuff us with Ukraine funding. And now this gets complicated too because I'm, I'm actually I was actually against the Senate as well even though I support beating Russians I don't know why you wouldn't but I want to I want to couple more Ukraine funding with border security I won't vote for more Ukraine funding without border security and so I was we had to do what we did on Saturday if you were voting against what you were what we were doing. 
um, for that clean CR, then you were technically voting for the Senate's version because that was going to be stuffed down your throat. And so, you know, this is what people don't realize. I know that sounds like a jumbled mess and a complicated inside baseball stuff, but people have to hear this because this is what really happened. Understood. Uh, just, Kevin McCarthy gave a great rundown of why Ukraine's important because the president doesn't. The secretary of state uh, just whispers. Uh, nobody really says this is why it matters to Americans. And Kevin yeah. McCarthy did. He took a, took a question last night and it goes on for too long. But here's a cut from it on why it uh, why it matters. Cut 29. But then when he parked 100,000 troops on the border of Ukraine and after he watched Afghanistan collapse, that's going to give us challenges for the next two decades. He got his meeting with the world power. So in comes Biden. And what does Biden do? He lifts the sanctions off Nord Stream 2 but asks nothing for it. Putin misreads that and invades Ukraine, thinking it would collapse in two weeks based upon Afghanistan. But now we have something even worse that's happened in the 1930s. And he goes on to explain that Hitler saw the weakness. He formed a coalition with Italy and Japan, and we had a world war, and we were losing every battle, and we had to battle all the way back. We thought we could talk our way out of it and ignore it, and we couldn't. And neither could Europe. And we see the same pattern coming up again. Is that a valid explanation? Yeah, I'd say it's the only explanation. Um, I tell people this is not about Ukraine necessarily. Now, look, for, for, for those in our ranks who seek to diminish and kind of vilify even the people of Ukraine, call them corrupt and no do-gooders who deserve to be invaded, I'm, I'm appalled by that and disgusted by it. But this isn't about Ukraine, those of us who support this. It's about Russia. And it's about people like Russia, other other dictators like Vladimir Putin, who would seek to engage in wars of conquest, which hasn't happened since World War II, throughout the world, destabilize the world, the global economy, and and create a world that is controlled by the likes of Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, the dictators who are willing to push, push, push. So in a world full of bullies who are willing to do what it takes to take what they want, you actually do need someone to push back. Otherwise, they will just keep going. That's the nature of a bully. And there's way too many people on our side who, you know, if a bully pokes them in their chest, they're just going to keep stepping back, keep stepping, them, keep stepping back. Well, that's not the American way. That's the way of a coward. And it'll, it'll push you into a world in the next 50, 75, 100 years where the word of America doesn't matter. That's the kind of world your kids will grow up in if you decide right now that, that you've just lost deterrence against your enemies. Because you should let them do whatever they want and make up whatever right. excuses you need in your head about Vladimir, about Zelensky, about Ukrainians, about their corruption. Make up whatever excuses you want to excuse yourself from action. So it's about deterrence for the gotcha. future. Right? It's, about, it's about maintaining American leadership yeah. in the future because that's actually what matters to your constituents. Gotcha. Congressman, they can't thrive in a world. I, I like linking it with border security, to too, uh, but while, while also understanding the, the gravity of the moment. Congressman Dan Crenshaw, befuddled like all of us. Thanks so much, Congressman. Back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. As far as the criticism that I worked with Democrats... The yellow brick road of working with Democrats was paved by Kevin McCarthy. 
whether it was the debt limit deal, whether it was the continuing resolutions, this is a guy who was willing to partner with conservatives on the frivolous. Right. But whenever there was a spending matter, he partnered with Democrats. Yeah, that is Matt Gates, uh, who did work with Democrats. No matter how you look at it, the Democrats are the one that voted with him. Uh, the only other people that voted with him was seven other people, and they were Republicans. Uh, the rest, the 210, wanted to keep uh, wanted to keep uh, Kevin McCarthy as speaker. So there you go. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be joined by uh, Governor Mike Huckabee. He's been following everything that's going on with Donald Trump. He also has a daughter that's governor of a state. And so far has not endorsed the former president of the United States. And a lot of people are surprised by that. I understand it because you want to keep your powder dry for a while and just focus on your state. But she'll be firmly in his corner shortly. The president is now in court. Some video was was released. He didn't have that dumb uh, smirk smile from the judge this time. But Letitia James was also there. Front and center over to the right. Brian Kilmicho, so glad you're here. Is the Brian Kilmeade Show? There's absolutely no fraud. They all make money. They're all happy. This case is a scam. There can't be fraud when you told institutions to do their own work. This case is a fraud, and it's a scam. Uh, that is the President of the United States. That's pretty much what he's been saying uh, for the last few days. And he goes to court every single day, even though he doesn't have to. I find it astounding because I know it's also smart. Because he's making it his own political stump speech. And he's able to hit the whole nation because a lot of people are carrying it, especially uh, I know we are, to hear what he's going to say going into court. And it's creating a big scene. He dominates the news cycle to the best he can over the speaker story and uh, the Hunter story. But it's keeping guys like Tim Scott and Governor Haley and uh, Governor DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy off the, off the uh, I guess, the news channels to a degree. But I was shocked to see that Ruth Marcus basically wrote that in the Washington Post today. You know, if the guy did something wrong, he did something wrong. But it really looks like you're targeting him because of his name. And that's not good. That was in the Washington Post. Governor Mike Huckabee has seen it all. Politically savvy, elected office, commentator, host of Huckabee on TBN. Uh, Governor, welcome back. Thank you, Brian. You know that uh, insurance commercial that says... We've uh, learned a few things because we've seen a few things. Well, it's kind of like that with the Trump deal. Even the Washington Compost is now beginning to understand that Donald Trump is being targeted not because of something that offends the sensibilities of New Yorkers. It's because that Letitia James targeted him before she ever even took office, and she's just keeping her campaign promise and trying to uh, make life miserable for the uh, once and perhaps soon to be again president. Why do you think he is out, has been at court the last three days? I think what you just described is exactly the reason. This way, he controls the story. He's in charge of the narrative and not this uh, judge who sits up there on his uh, desk and preens for the camera. I've never seen anything quite like that before. Invites the camera's end and takes off his glasses and rears his head back and flashes a big smile like he's auditioning or a bit part in a cheap movie. I've never seen a judge behave that way. 
There's something called decorum. I hope he doesn't call Donald Trump down for lack thereof, because this is a judge who has clearly displayed that for him, this is just an audition for something, whatever it is he thinks he wants to do. So it's okay. Uh, In the spring, we'll put him in jail, but in the fall, we'll take his money. That's what it seems like. While his, his numbers seem to go up in the general and the people that should be almost as angry as this should be the other people running for the nomination. No matter what they say, what they do, how many debates they have, it's all about Trump. Well, one of the reasons that guys like me back in 2016 uh, really barely got the wheels up under the plane and took off from the runway was because Donald Trump knows how to dominate the news cycle. He's a master at it. And he obliterated everyone else on that stage, all 16 of us. And he did it because he understands how to keep the story away from anyone but himself. And I admire him for that. I'm not complaining. I'm thinking this guy is really good. And he parlayed it into uh, the presidency. And so I say good for him. Uh, but it does make it very difficult for any of the other candidates to uh, to get attention because all the oxygen in the room has been soaked up by the 44th president. Yeah, the big story, uh, Hunter, of, of course, going to court yesterday on the gun charges, could be facing 25 years in jail. We know he won't, uh, and maybe he shouldn't. You know, he, uh, on drugs, uh, on drugs, bought a gun, lied on the form. Uh, for five years, they investigated. It must have been really, really, I got to just admire that type of focus. Every day, getting up, studying this case. Uh, and they <laughs> finally find out that they, after his deal blows up, that they're going to charge him with something. Governor Huckabee, from best you know, how would does somebody without a job living in the White House for free afford million, at least a million dollars a month in legal fees? Because he's also countersuing people like the computer repair shop and networks for and uh, Rudy Giuliani. Where does he get a million dollars? Do you think that's a valid question? Of course, it's a valid question. Now, we know that he's an extraordinary artist, even though he's never had an art class and never done it before. Kind of like his uh, position on the board of Burisma. He just falls into these fantastic and lucrative deals. So now he's blowing paint through a straw and creating half-million-dollar masterpieces that are being scooped up by people who I'm sure are extraordinary um, art aficionados. But they also happen to be pals of his dad, or maybe they want an appointment to something. Yesterday, an extraordinary move, even for someone like you who's seen it all, Speaker McCarthy is now ousted. Ken Buck, who's on television right now, is trying to justify being one of the eight to get rid of him and not one of the 210 that wanted to keep him. And now people are mentioning Donald Trump as a possible speaker. He turned around and answered that question in a, in a media scrum probably 10 minutes ago. He says, I'm interested. You know, it's interesting. I mean, but oftentimes my names comes up. We'll have to see about that. But I'd like to be a help. I'll tell you. And it was surprised to see what happened. You think he should be, take the job? Oh, I doubt he would, but wouldn't it be a disruptive and interesting thing if he did? I I mean, I can't imagine more fun than letting Donald Trump decide which committees Nancy Pelosi is going to serve on and uh, how Adam Schiff will be able to be removed from his office back to some uh, janitor's closet somewhere. But the sad thing for me about what happened yesterday was that somehow eight Republicans couldn't get enough Republicans to go along with them, so their ideas must not have been all that popular. 210 Republicans versus eight. And so they went over to the Democrats, and they got the squad and AOC and Pelosi and Schiff and all the crazy bunch uh, to vote with them so that they could get done what they wanted. I don't know what they're so proud of. I would be ashamed of myself 
if I only represented 4% of the Republican caucus and 2% of the entire House of Representatives, and that's the most that I could get to go along with my ideas and somehow make people think that, that I had come up with a brilliant strategy. So, uh, you know, I'm sure they have their reasons. I know they're out there trying to sell them now. And there are a lot of people who think they're heroes because they really stuck it to the establishment. But, Brian, when you only have eight people out of 220 that think like that, you might want to rethink whether you're very persuasive and whether your argument holds water. I would think so, Governor Huckabee. Uh, absolutely. I just got a couple of things. You know, we made a pretty, Steve Scalise made it clear yesterday, calling up members. He's going to run for speaker to replace him. Uh, Jim Jordan has just confirmed he is also running for speaker. Uh, I was just, a uh, side note, for Jim Jordan, for Chip Roy, for Scott Perry, all to be backing, as conservative as it gets, all to be backing uh, McCarthy, and he still lost. Don't tell me Matt Gates did it because McCarthy wasn't conservative enough. Uh, what are your thoughts about Jim Jordan? Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, Steve Scalise? Scalise, Jordan, Byron Donalds, there's a lot of guys who would be terrific. There's not a doubt about that, and they'll be competent. But the moment they get in there, if they don't do what Matt Gates wants, what makes us believe that he won't do it to them? Uh, the saddest thing that McCarthy agreed to was the one person being able to call for a vacate of the speaker's chair. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen again. That rule needs to be changed. I want you to know, Matt Gates was my congressman when I was living in Florida for a few years. I helped him when he ran. I had two fundraisers at my personal home for him, helped him in every way I could. But I've just been real disappointed. He's a smart guy and he's articulate, but he let his personal animus toward Kevin McCarthy cloud good judgment. The Democrats stay together. They may fight in the closed room, but when they get out in public, they're all singing from the same sheet of music. And what Matt Gates did yesterday was not only divisive to the party, but it really showed a lack of discipline and a lack of long thinking. And, you know, sometimes you can cook your food by putting it on the fire and gently cooking it till it's edible. Or you can throw it, you know, in an explosion and, you know, see what happens. Yesterday was an explosion. It was not a cooking exercise. And Republicans need to start thinking about the long game. And yesterday they didn't. They blew the place up and they thought somehow they should be congratulated for it. I'm sorry. I'm not one that's uh, patting them on the back for what they did because it makes the Republicans look divided and, and foolish and petulant. And it gives the Democrats a huge victory. And for the Democrats to have to save Matt Gates and the other seven, I would be embarrassed if I were in that group. So, by the way, he's in a safe seat. He could do whatever he wants. He was fundraising on the fly. He says the reason he's doing that uh, on, in real time is because he doesn't take money from uh, lobbyists. Well, you know, it's up to you. If you want to take money from lobbyists, you can do it. A lot of times lobbyists have good points, uh, and you want to hear their side. doesn't mean you have to do what they do. But that doesn't mean that you vote for your conscience at the same time you look to raise money off it, in my view. But you, you know the reality of politics more. Here's what he said is the reason behind it. Cut seven. The reason Kevin McCarthy went down today is because nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy has made multiple contradictory promises, and when they all came due, he lost, he lost votes of people who maybe don't even ideologically agree with me on everything. Take, for example, my colleague from South Carolina, Ms. Mace. She's, she has different views than I do on a variety of subjects, but what we had in common, Kevin McCarthy lied to all of us. So he acts like he lost. 210 people think he's not a liar, obviously. Yeah, yeah, that's what I find amazing. He said, because 
you know, he didn't have the confidence. Well, he had the confidence of 210. Matt had the confidence of seven. I didn't major in math in college, but Brian, I can pretty much figure this one out, that 210 is a pretty much bigger number than seven. Here's what I don't understand. When does the Republican Party and the Republicans in the House, particularly some of the dissidents, when do they understand that politics is relatively simple? It's 50 percent plus one, you win. Under that, and you lose. And we can't win uh, if we keep sliding people off. And one other point, even if McCarthy had pushed for some of the things that Matt Gates and some of these other wanted, and he got them through the House, which might not have happened because you have some House members, Republicans, who wouldn't have gone along with some of the, the ideas. But if you could have, it would have died a quick death, I mean, sudden death in the Senate. And for some reason, if it miraculously passed there, Joe Biden would never have signed it. So if we really want to see an agenda accomplished, go out and sell your ideas, get a bigger majority in the House, uh, get the Senate, win with the big majority there, and elect the president who's a Republican. Now you can get something done. All right. Uh, Governor Huckabee, it is frustrating that people don't even understand how it works, and they do this for a living. Well, they don't want to decide. They don't want to um, let people know how it works. They just want to take stands. Uh, so we'll see. The appropriations bills didn't get out because they couldn't agree in committee how to put them onto the floor because they didn't come up with a consensus. I don't know if you blame the speaker for that. I, you, you tell me. Uh, Governor, uh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. It's a frustrating time. Thank you, Brian. Always a pleasure to chat, chat with you. Right. Uh, Governor Huckabee, thank you so much. When we come back, we'll take your calls. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. There's a lot more to go over besides the speaker uh, things and the Trump trial, and we'll do it on the Brian Kilmeade show. Coming to you on a need to know basis because man, do you need to know? It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. So Captain Hurd's great reporter, used to be at Fox, has been following this story on CBS that we've been covering. Uh, I guess they don't give as much airtime as they should. But the Oversight Committee has just released more paperwork as it relates to the Hunter Biden investigation. And some of just those things that the whistleblowers, the IRS whistleblowers came out and talked about the investigation the investigation of Hunter Biden and how it was being held up for political reasons in their view, and they had to get, stand up and speak out. By the way, still getting repercussions off it. Well, the paperwork is now out to their allegations, and it verifies everything they were saying. So having said that, here's Catherine Herridge's report. The Republican-led House Ways and Means Committee has released hundreds of new documents from the Hunter Biden investigation, and I want to walk you through Exhibit 202 and 203. Exhibit 202 is an email from August of 2020. It was sent by Prosecutor Leslie Wolf to senior FBI and IRS investigators who are drafting a search warrant. Wolf tells them to keep the scope narrow and limited to potential violations of foreign lobbying laws, or FARA, and to remove references to political figure one. So who is political figure one? Well, that's explained in Exhibit 203. It's heavily redacted, but this is the draft warrant, and it lists political figure one as former Vice President Joe Biden. The IRS whistleblowers have alleged that they were blocked from following evidence that may have led 
to President Biden. We reached out to Special Counsel David Weiss and the Justice Department, who declined to comment. Weiss says he's working independently from the Justice Department. President Biden and Hunter Biden have denied any wrongdoing in the case. So it's in black and white, just like the real-time notes that Gary Shapley took when he was in these meetings. And people looked into Shapley's background and the other guy, and they basically find no political leanings. They just outraged. If you ever meet somebody that likes to be a forensic investigator or a forensic accountant, they're dogged because they feel it's a puzzle. It's a mystery that needs to be solved. And when you're allowed not to go forward, and this guy now is this guy, Gary Weiss, has got a special prosecutor. David Weiss has got a special prosecutor status. What's he doing with it? He's in court yesterday to show there's no dual paths of justice. Of course there is. Mark, you're in East Texas. Hey, Mark. Brian, good morning, sir. I'll get right to it. Big fan. Uh, Matt Gates is like Donald Trump with absolutely none of the charm. Oh, <laughs> Brian, I, I've been voting for the, our president in this country since 1980. Brian, I've been walking around in my carport shed picking up nails to bite them in two of my teeth. Brian, get Matt Gates off of TV. Oh, my God. Well, he, he's got to be on TV because uh, well, he'll stay in Congress as long as he can, but he wants to be a TV guy. And evidently he's on other networks hosting. He's not. He's bright. There's no question about it. He knows his stuff. He's very. He's very good speaker, but he's not working for the better interests of the country. And I'm sure he's going to be able to raise money off this and people are going to think he's so strong. But it's not like he wants to be speaker. It's not like he wants to fix it. He's upset about the speed in which McCarthy's doing things and the priorities in which he listed. And that's why you ousted him with that one-vote margin? He also said he's going to vote for McCarthy on the 14th round. And then the 14th round came up, and he's like, I'm not voting for you. It's like, what are you talking about you're not voting for me? They say, I never said that. When people have heard him, and that's why I forgot the congressman who tried to leap over two seats and fight him. And Chip Roy said the same thing. He goes, I've had it with Matt Gates. If he comes into this office, basically I'm going to fight him. I mean, that's how aggravated people are at him. And it's not as if... He was over the summer calling press conferences saying we should be working on the appropriations bills because now we're finding out and talking to these congresspeople, they were all working on them. But they weren't getting through, not for lack of work, but a lack of consensus. So maybe you want to lean on people when it comes to uh, term limits. For example, they wanted to pass a term limits bill. Of course, it would have died in the Senate. But on the term limits, they said, okay, we'll, do, we'll stop at three terms, six years, but make the Senate stop it. Eight to, at one term or two terms. And they said, no. He goes, well, why should we be stopped at six years and they can grow three terms? They get 18 years. So that's a legitimate debate. You know, I can go back and forth on that. But guess what? July goes by. Another week goes by. Four people agree with me. Four people agree with you. And then when, when McCarthy comes back and says, guys, you're done with the appropriations bills, they're not. And then McCarthy's to blame that they haven't. No, they couldn't get agreement on it, even amongst Republicans, let alone Democrats. So there's so much more to it. I think you got to dig into it before you react. And I was able to, and hopefully you will too. Brian Kilmeade Show, so glad you're here. Hey, go to briankilmeade.com. With Fox Nation, I'm going to go on live all across the country, including Red Bank, New Jersey, and Huntsville, Alabama. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. All right, from Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world, you heard the guy with the deep voice. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Just about 30 blocks away, you got the president, eh, maybe more. 
Uh, the former president of the United States in court for a trial, which is a total scam. They're trying to blow up his business. And then in the spring, they'll try to put him in jail. Besides that, I don't think they're really fearful of him running for president. Donald Trump. It was just so interesting to hear Trump on trial. Sure. But to have Ruth Marcus of The Washington Post write, I think this is a little bit uh, over uh, overdone. And I think he's getting targeted. No kidding. But for you to write down The Washington Post editorial section is well known. And for that not to be the number one story in the country is significant. Before we get to Mike Lawler, uh, who obviously has a thing or two to say about what's happening now with his with his party uh, from New York. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's big three. Number three. The judge in Donald Trump's civil fraud trial has issued a limited gag order after the former president posted a phony and personal criticism of the judge's law clerk. The judge quickly called Trump and his lawyers to meet in private and then ordered all parties in the case to stop making remarks about court staff. Here we go. Trump gagged by a left-wing judge after he posted something on Truth Social. The penalty? Serious sanctions. Really? You mean more serious than taking $250 million from him? Number two. Asked by the judge on Tuesday if he understood the alleged crimes and penalties, which can include up to 25 years in prison if convicted, Hunter Biden responded in a soft but determined voice. Yes, Your Honor. At his side, lead attorney Abby Lowell, at one point arguing a statute Biden is accused of violating, a ban on gun possession for drug users, is unconstitutional. Here we go. That costs about a million dollars a month, by the way, that Abby Lowell. Hunter pleads not guilty and get on gun charges. The worst could be yet to come for unemployed, prostitute-loving, first son of the President of the United States, also a former drug user. If there's any justice, eventually this is going to land right on Joe. Number one. On this vote, the yeas are 216. The nays are 210. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The Office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. Gavel is gone. Speaker McCarthy is out. Matt Gates is the cause. Seven others join him. Now look at total chaos. It'll be about a week without a speaker, maybe more. Jim Jordan says he's officially in, and Steve Scalise as well. Maybe some others will answer. But I just saw Congressman Graves told our own uh, Aisha Hosni that he expects this to go on for a month. He doesn't see anyone coalescing around anyone. Mike Lawler just got to the Congress. He won one of the big, biggest election upsets in quite some time and helped deliver the House to Republicans in New York in a very purple district. And he's going to look to do it again. This could not make his job any easier. Congressman Lawler, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Brian. Congressman, I knew for sure you wouldn't be one of the eight to oust Kevin McCarthy. When did you realize that this threat was real and that he was going to be gone? Well, it was clear uh, during a meeting of problem solvers uh, that the Democrats uh, were hell-bent on joining uh, Matt Gates in removing the speaker. And people should be asking themselves, why would eight Republicans team up with 208 Democrats to remove uh, the House Republican speaker? And it's because Kevin McCarthy was the most effective messenger we had. He was the most effective fundraiser we had. Uh, and the most effective leader we had in this party. He built this Republican majority. He invested in California and New York to flip 10 seats and give us the majority to govern. And these eight people, along with a few others, frankly, that that probably otherwise would have voted uh, along with them, 
uh, and have voted with them in different ways on taking down rules, et cetera. Um, they undermined and torpedoed that majority yesterday uh, and, and burned the House down. And it's just, to me, uh, unconscionable. Uh, you want to fight it out on policy. You want to fight it out on spending. You want to fight it out on the border. Uh, let's have those fights. But to align yourselves with Democrats to undermine uh, the House Republican majority is not only shameful, it's disgusting, it's unbecoming. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, uh, there needs to be consequences for it. Well, I mean, Matt Gates, you see, is a problem. He doesn't want to lead. He just wants to blow up things. So no, he doesn't want to be speaker. Here he is saying he blames McCarthy. He says this is all his fault. Cut five. As far as the criticism that I worked with Democrats, the yellow brick road of working with Democrats was paved by Kevin McCarthy. Right. So does he write? Uh, you got, you got to love the, the hypocrisy of all this. He's claiming that he's removing the House Republican speaker for working with Democrats to avert a government shutdown. A majority of the majority voted uh, with the speaker uh, to avert a government shutdown so that we could continue the important work of the appropriations bills. The reason we even got to that place is because Matt Gates opposed a conservative CR that would have cut spending by 8 percent and would have secured our border. He set this up so that no matter what decision Kevin made, he was going to use it as the vehicle to do a motion to vacate. It's disgusting. And unfortunately, had a band of useful idiots that went along with it. And uh, let's roll it out uh, who they are that went along with it. And it is Andy Biggs, Ken Buck, Tim Burchard, who I, uh, I interviewed this morning, Eli Crane, uh, Matt, Bob Good of Virginia, Nancy Mace and Matt Rosendale. First off, the biggest surprise to me is Nancy Mace. Here she is explaining her vote. Cut 11. This is an opportunity for us to unite together and come together and, and find someone who will lead us out of this, who will unite us and do all the things that we said we were going to do on the timeline we said we were going to do them. There is a law in this country in 1974 that requires Congress to have a budget. We didn't even have a budget resolution this year. It requires us to have 12 separate spending bills. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat or who's in charge. That is the law. I didn't want to shut down the government at all. But also, when you have a continuing resolution, we, we had this manufactured crisis because we didn't do the spending bills. And then we had to have this emergency crisis to do a CR. This is what Congress does every single year to skirt the law. The law says have a budget and have 12 separate spending bills. And what I heard is that she wanted... The gun, she wanted gun legislation to be brought to the floor and abortion legislation to be brought to the floor, and he didn't do either. How would that have gone over? Well, I don't think she would have had the votes within the conference on it. But again, this is where individuals believing that their interests or their issues are above that of the conference. You have a, a, a majority conference of 221 members currently. You need 218 votes to pass it. anything. You have districts like mine that Joe Biden won by 10 points, uh, all the way to, you know, folks like uh, Matt Gates and Andy Biggs, whose districts are, you know, R plus 30s. I mean, it, it's a reality that you, you're going to have to find compromise within. The idea that we removed Kevin McCarthy with 208 Democrats because we didn't pass 12 appropriations bills before September 30th is laughable. First of all, 
we are actually going through the appropriations process. Our appropriations committee has been going through these bills line by line by line, coming up with significant savings for the American people for us to go negotiate with Chuck Schumer. If their whole purpose was to get to a point where we could find spending reductions and negotiate with the Senate, they just blew that to smithereens. There's no way we're passing all 12 appropriations bills before November 17th. I mean, these folks are, 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 are so out of touch with reality, uh, it, it's, it's honestly disturbing. Were you guys working in the summer at this? Absolutely. The committees, the committees were doing their work. And I would remind you and your listeners, most of these people were preventing us from bringing bills to the floor because they were taking down rules. They were saying, oh, we need to cut more. We need to do this. We need to do that. They were opposing the work of the committee. And, and so it, it's just – it's laughable to listen to the, this uh, diatribe of delusion that somehow this is all Kevin McCarthy's fault. He allowed for regular order. He allowed for individual lawmakers to be involved, to have amendments, to, to really legislate. That takes time. Whether we like it or not, yes, we would have all liked to be done by September 30th. But guess what? We've passed four of the 12 appropriations bills through the House floor, accounting for over 70 percent of discretionary spending. The Senate, controlled by Chuck Schumer, has passed zero. Zero bills have passed through the Senate floor. So this wasn't a function of us not uh, doing our work and the Senate was ready to negotiate. We were well ahead of the Senate on getting this work done. They've now torpedoed any chance of doing that. Has he made, have they made your job harder to get reelected? Look, I'm, not, I'm honestly not worried about 24 at this moment. I'm, I'm focused on electing a speaker uh, and getting this institution to work and getting our conference to work. Uh, this can't continue, and there needs to be accountability, uh, and there needs to be consequences. And any, anybody running to be speaker who's unwilling to uh, crack down on this is not going to have my vote. So the speaker continued. Jim Jordan made it official about 45 minutes ago. He's going to be up for speaker. Steve Scalise, he was working it last night. The word is that Tom Emmer will be doing it uh, and Patrick McHenry, possibly he's he's acting like it and or he's the acting speaker, I should say. And Mike Johnson, very bright guy, at least Stefanik, uh, according to reports, doing a good job in leadership, might even be a running mate for Donald Trump should he get the nomination. Your thoughts about the people I ran through? Who does who does Mike Lowry leaning towards? Lowry leaning towards? Look, we we have some really talented people. I think the sad part is that we took our best player off the field. Uh, it, it was uh, foolish, uh, and you know we're going to have to pick up the pieces here. Uh, in the coming days, we will have uh, a number of meetings and conversations. Uh, I certainly will be talking to all those that are uh, putting their name forward. Uh, but I, I think whoever is going to lead is going to have to uh, deal with this head on. Uh, we have to have reality, uh, and there needs to be a reckoning within. You, you have to have more than one seat, to one one vote to vacate. Don't you agree? Oh, uh, listen, this needs to go back to majority of the majority uh, or, 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 you know, it, you cannot have this type of gun to the head of the speaker uh, when you're trying to govern, especially in a divided government. Of course, any final bill is going to have to be bipartisan to get signed by the president of the United States, who's a Democrat. So we, we, we literally just had people oust the speaker 
for doing right by the country. Uh, and 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 these folks claiming that oh he worked with Democrats they literally just worked with 208 Democrats to remove a House Republican Speaker. So uh, you know I was, I was pretty amazed too that you have Jim Jordan, Chip Roy, Scott Perry, uh, uh, Byron Donalds. Everyone voted to keep him. See these are the conservatives that you go okay that's kind of that's a, really what a conservative looks like. That's how they act. And they said you know leave him in place. And these guys just went off the reservation. So I don't know how they fit in now, but I'll tell you this. Democrats will rue the day Kevin McCarthy left, in my view. And you saw it already. Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer have been kicked out of their side rooms, evidently for their senior status, no longer in leadership. They still got these substantial offices. First thing I guess McHenry and you guys did is kick them out. And now you're debating keeping Nancy uh, Mace in leadership. What is your reaction to this? Look, I, I, I will say this. Uh, I never want to hear another Democrat talk about protecting democracy and preserving our institutions. They align themselves with Matt Gates, who they have derided for years as morally and ethically unfit for public office. And they align themselves for political gain uh, to burn down the House. Uh, it's disgusting. It's shameful. It speaks to everything that is wrong with our body politic. Uh, and it's exactly why, uh, you know, you see the response uh, from uh, Speaker Pro Tem McHenry, which is to say to Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer, pack your stuff and go back to your, your uh, legislative office. Uh, you, you basically are taking a week off. Is that, is that how I read it? Why are you doing that? Well, I, I think uh, – Certain folks in leadership probably felt we needed uh, some time some time away from each other, uh, but obviously <laughs> we don't we don't have much time to deal with this given given the fact that we're up against a no, November seventeenth uh, deadline to pass our appropriations bills. Uh, so I think it's critically important. Uh, you know, I know there's a number of conversations happening today among members, uh, individually and in groups. Um, but obviously we have a lot of work to do between now and Tuesday uh, when they do the candidates forum. Uh, I just, uh, lastly, in New York, they're overrun. They can't take any more legal immigrants. The mayor is going to, uh, going to uh, Ecuador, Mexico City. He's going to Panama, and he's going to actually go and visit the Darien Pass and try to get that message out. Your reaction to the New York, the state you represent, and how they're handling the legal immigrant process. I, I testified uh, or uh, participated in a hearing uh, last week of the Natural Resources Committee, and we had some uh, New York elected officials that were testifying there. And uh, look, here's the reality. We have a disaster at our border. New York City and New York State have enacted disastrous policies between sanctuary city policies, right to shelter that they're interpreting to mean that you give free housing, health care, education, clothing, food uh, to migrants, a refusal to cooperate with ICE and law enforcement. I think we just lost you. So I I think I know where he stands. He's an impactful congressman in New York, a tough district, and helped deliver the House. And Kevin McCarthy backed him early. Uh, He's obviously upset, and I understand it. Congressman Mike Lawler, thank you. When we come back, we'll take your calls, 1-866-408-7669. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
the fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Look, I support arming Ukraine. It doesn't mean sending them cash, but arming Ukraine. But I have been on the White House even before they sent this supplemental. I said, you guys are doing it all wrong by just sending us a supplemental. And I think the president is failing here because he's not telling the American public what is the mission. Now, I have a, we have a lot of members who are Navy SEALs who've been in theater and F-18 pilots, and they're frustrated. They want to support, but they don't want to support an ever-ending war. They want to see what's going on here. So no kidding. Uh, that is Speaker McCarthy yesterday in retrospect taking questions about Ukraine funding. And the president had to work the phones yesterday to assure allies that we're still going to be able to come across with something, even if it might be delayed. And the reason why it's so hard to defend is because the president's slow-walking weapon system never talks about it. And it just seems as though we're emptying our weapons depots to Ukraine and not hearing any reason why. And people get mad. Uh, Democrats get mad if you ask questions. I'm all for it. I, I can't believe they, they never ask why. And Kevin McCarthy last night, it was right at the top of the hour, just explain in detail, historically and presently, why it's necessary to help out Ukraine and how much worse it will be the five to ten years if we don't. And how our axis of enemies is coalescing again, much like they did in the 1940s. They're doing it in, the, in 2023. And they're making it clear they're on the move. And it's up to us, like it or not, uh, to stop them. And stop them in Ukraine before they hit a NATO nation. But one thing that has just been passed, we understand they're going to take some of the um, the confiscated Ukrainian weapons and ships and boats, uh, cash it in and give it over to Ukraine. After all, it's Iran that's providing all those uh, those suicide drones, those homicide drones into Ukraine. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I'm going to talk to the conference over the next week, Sean. I think that's the key. I don't. I think this is a day where we say, look, what happened here was not good. I think what happened yeah. to Kevin McCarthy was not fair. Let's figure out how we come together as a conference and focus on our agenda. Focus on the three things this, co- that this Congress, I think, is about. And we passed many of the bills we told the country we would do. We need to stay focused on that. Pressure the Senate to actually bring them up, for goodness sake. Continue to do the oversight and then obviously deal with this appropriation process and the spending bill that has to be done before the end of the year. So that was Jim Jordan last night. He was pretty astounded. He looked shaken up by the time he got to Sean Hannity's TV show last night on Fox News. But now he made it clear this morning that he'll be eligible to run for speaker. Now that it's official, Kevin McCarthy will not run again. He had 210 votes to keep the job. He needs more to to have the job. So he's like, okay, I'm done. You know, I, I get the message. You have a problem. Matt Gates has a problem with him. So the other people just said, okay, I'll jump on board since they're having the, the motion of AK there. Uh, they have uh, Congressman Cole, but I, he said flat out to, to Brett Baer, I'm not interested in being the speaker. Steve Scalise said, absolutely. Even though he's dealing with cancer and he expects to have treatment for three months, he does, he's wearing a mask. He does plan on being in town and he would obviously have the sentimental value. Plus, don't you think he deserves it? He's been there, but please let me know what he's going to do different from Kevin McCarthy. I'd like to know. 
Because Kevin McCarthy was amiable, and you know he was with, with Marjorie Taylor Greene one minute, dealing with Nancy Mace the next, able to win over Chip Roy and uh, Byron Donalds working with them. So I don't know if Steve Scalise is a good guy, but do you know anyone that winds up popular in that job? Paul Ryan just wanted to be Ways and Means, and he was on the covers with this Young Guns when they came into Congress with Kevin McCarthy and I believe uh, Eric Cantor. Now all. Uh, Three are gone, really, even though McCarthy's still going to be there. And he got there, and he started making a difference. He started consolidating power, and uh, he was uh, a member of leadership, really understood how to get around in Congress. And he almost was speaker earlier, but he came out with statements saying that, you know, whatever happens about the Hillary Clinton Benghazi investigation, we found out about an email server, therefore it was worth it. And that kind of blew up in his face, and they said, all right, I'm not going to run for speaker. We're going to push up and make Paul Ryan run. You know many people that say nice things about Paul Ryan now? No. Even though he's impressed everyone, Simpson Bowles, and everyone seemed to love him, and vice presidential nominee, and he's a genius with numbers. John Boehner, did you ever see people talking greatly about John Boehner? No. Denny Hester did uh, covered in scandal. So... Now you have another guy. Well, Ken McCarthy's the worst. So if you're Steve Scalise and you're dealing with a lot of personal pressure anyway, why would you want this? You know, why would you want to take this on? But yesterday it was clear he does want to take it on. He uh, made that clear as he was walking the halls. And I, the audio is not great, but I want you to hear, uh, hear what he said. Cut 10. Clearly within our conference we have a very tight majority. We always knew that... Getting things done was going to be difficult in a tight majority. Right. It still will be. Right. So no matter who's going to be the next speaker, the challenges still remain. But I think the opportunity is there to continue moving forward. We set a precedent last week for how to start coming together to get appropriations bills done. Uh, there's a template for getting the remainder of them done and a firm commitment. And I think our conference is ready to keep moving forward. Yeah, it's amazing. By about 20 points, it looks like the American public trusts the, the Republicans to handle the economy over Democrats. We watch the President Trump now beats regularly. Uh, Joe Biden and has him even on the real clear average. And so does Nikki Haley, by the way. So they just shot themselves in the foot here. There's just no question about it. Josh Holmes cut 18. Well, I think it's embarrassing for starters. I mean, this is how you can have record disapproval of a Democratic president record disapproval of Democrat policies, record disapproval, basically everything the Democratic Party is up to and still lose elections to them. Uh, frankly, the chaos of trying to switch out a speaker in a pretty successful term, all things considered here, uh, it makes absolutely no sense to me. It, it, it's as if people have taken leave of their senses in terms of understanding that legislative politics is a team sport. If you don't have entire unity, all you're doing is inviting Democrats to write the legislation, to set spending bills higher, to do all of the things that they said they didn't want to do and make that easier for them to do in the process. So, you know, one thing, as I mentioned earlier, they've kicked Steny Hoyer and Nancy Pelosi out of their nice luxury uh, uh, offices. And you're going to see a lot less reaching across the aisle. Darren in Indiana. Hey, Darren. Hey, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. What's on your mind? Well, you know, I am concerned about the the speaker and so forth and who they might elect, but 
I'm telling you, if the Republican Party don't get their act together, we're going to lose the election again, and it's just going to be horrible. And they deserve to do better. I mean, the Democrats are throwing it in the street. Think about what they're doing to the country with this green technology. Think about oil and gas drilling. Think about, imagine if you were driving in California and you're paying $7.20 for gas. Yeah, I mean, they they want us to be Europe, and we're not going to be Europe, and and nor even remotely like them. And we've got to have a new game plan, and we have to all come together to make it happen. And right now, the Republican Party is fractured. And I, I'm really scared about the, the election coming up. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, right now the numbers look really good, but we're not talking about uh, we're not talking about the pulling of a fire alarm. We're not talking about the refusal to mine. We're not talking about the uh, the ability to get UAW back to work. What it could have mean for the economy. We have another strike. Go- uh, it's going on right now with healthcare workers. We're not talking about the state of the economy and the uh, failure of Bidenomics. And that's not my words. The American public says it was an epic fail, and they're running on it. We're not talking about that. We're talking about we're talking about all this. Robert, listening in South Jersey. Hey, Robert. Hey, how you doing, Brian? Great. Normally, I agree with you, but today I I just I'm not on the same page at all. Um, you know, the speaker, you know, seems like a nice enough guy. Seems like a politician, unfortunately, which he is, and. You know, he let it run right up to the 11th hour, just like they always do with these budget issues. And then they say, hey, we got a gun to our head. We have to do it. We have to throw all this junk in with it. And, you know, I'm far from a way out uh, ready. I mean, I'm pretty much a But you wanted him out. You wanted him out? (laughs) No, 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 I'm not going to even say I want him out because I don't have enough information. And none of us do probably here. But when the same, it seems it was the same old, same old. We're going to go right to the 11th hour. Then we're going to get forced to pass this continuing resolution. I mean, how do you not have a budget in 10 years? I mean, how do you not have a budget? Every one of the guys that preceded him is guilty, as he is, because he's in charge. And, you know, you interviewed the guy today on TV. Yep. And I thought he made some good points, and I'm typically on your side, and I think you do a great job. By but, the way. but tell me tell but, me the great points. I think, um, what's his name again? Well, I, I mean, again, talking about going to the 11th hour every time. We can never do anything in advance. You know, and then, oh, we had to do it because they were going to shoot us in the head. You know, okay. Well, I, I, I'm, so, I'm so glad you brought that up. And that is, his name is uh, Tim Burchett of Tennessee. So so this is what he said. Well, you guys, they took off the summer. Do you know I've been texting with people? They, nobody took off of the summer. Did you just hear the conversation I just had with Mike Lawler? Mike Lawler says, we've been working through the summer on all these bills, but they haven't come to an agreement amongst Republicans even on these bills. On things like term limits and spending, uh, spending, and whether it's on border or foreign policy, they didn't come to deal. So you and I might be on the same committee, might be in the same party. We don't come to a deal. Now, should Kevin McCarthy have gone over to the Appropriations Committee in July and called them in and said, do a deal, and they got the 10? Well, you could say everything you want, but Kevin McCarthy's having trouble holding on to after 15 votes. Now he's got to convince 11 committees to come to an agreement on 11 separate bills. So they come back to work. They got till September 30th to do it, and they're not done with it. They got four. So he said, we're going to extend it to November, and we're going to get an 8% cut across the board, and we're going to get additional border funding. And then they're going to go back and forth on Ukraine funding. And then the Republicans said, the, the same eight, said, no, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. 
We're just going to continue. Well, we've done that too much in the past. Like you said, 20 years without a budget. He goes, yeah, but we're going to get to November. You've got four appropriation bills done. They haven't done regular order since Nancy Pelosi took over. She just does omnibus stuff and tells everyone else, you might as well give up on your committee assignments because we're not going to listen to you. We're just going to decide it at leadership. So you get it to November. So guys like Jim Jordan, guys like uh, Chip Roy, you know, the whole conference, Tom Emmers, Steve's clearly said, go, yeah, all right, you know, let's get this done. We got, you know, we got a few weeks, got to get it done. And do you know what Kevin McCarthy said last night in his hour and 20-minute press conference? He said, we already had made inroads to setting up conference committee meetings with Senator Schumer already. Because whatever comes out of the House, and you bring up good points, and you don't have to agree with me, and I, I just love that you listen and watch. So I'm honored you listen and watch. But I'm just going to give you what built up to that moment. So while they're having these meetings, they still got to go to the Senate. Now, whatever comes out of the Senate is not going to make Republicans happy because it's a compromise with the Senate. The only thing you could hope for is the border is so bad, the Senate gives in a lot. That's what I'm hoping for. That's the only thing, because when you have Republic, Democratic governors and mayors going crazy in, on Eagle Pass and in Chicago uh, and in Massachusetts and in New York, and in Illinois, you think that, well, you know, Chuck Schumer would go, listen, I, I got to read the tea leaves here. I got to do it. But besides that, whatever comes out of conference, Republicans who look like Matt Gates and maybe you will go, no, it's not good enough. Well, that's a compromise. And if you want it good enough, then win the Georgia Senate election, you know, win the Pennsylvania Senate election. And you didn't. So you're not the minority. You're in the minority by just one. You know, just one. It's OK. So you would. Get something out of that. That's the way it's going to work. So we're on course to do that. But let's just get rid of the guy. One vote, he's gone. And that, to me, is not practical. It wasn't Democrats that said one vote, he's gone. And it wasn't really Republicans. 210 Republicans said, I've been watching McCarthy. I've been working with McCarthy. 210 said, fine. Eight said no. And if Matt Gates didn't have a personal animus with McCarthy, it doesn't even come up to a vote. Maybe somebody hops on Fox or somewhere on CNN and says, I'm very upset with Kevin McCarthy, but that's normal. I mean, even Tim Ryan would get up and say, I'm upset with Nancy Pelosi. The, AI, the, the squad always took on Nancy Pelosi, they, but they just were able to spout off. That's OK. But no one looked to ouster, even though they weren't working through any committees. So through this process, you blow it up. And guess what happens? Nobody's talking about impeachment. No one's doing anything. Nobody's working on the Appropriations Committee. Why would they do it? No one's working on the uh, Weaponization of Government Committee. They have, they have no power to do anything. And no one's handing out any subpoenas for, uh, for Comer's committee because there's no speaker to do it. And no one's talking about the documents that were released that Catherine Herridge came up with last night on CBS that just verified everything the IRS was doing. So I ask you. You might not like the speed in which McCarthy's doing things, but he's on the road to straightening out an institution that has been on the wrong road for 20 years. Everyone agrees on that. And he might not want to do it quicker. Well, what has Matt Gates ever run? What committee has he produced an appropriations bill for? Or like Andy Biggs and others, have they been standing in the way because of their beliefs, unable to come up with a consensus or give in to help their committee that has an advantage of just one come up with uh, and bring something to the floor? So in the middle of that, let's just blow up the speaker. Really? From your own party? Now? Yeah, we're having a vote now. So now you have no speaker? No speaker. First time? And look at this. In 147 years, he lasted the shortest tenure ever, 269 days. And you think I'm off base for saying that 
it's insane that this party's doing that to himself. You could do that. Julie, listening on FM News Talk 97.1 in St. Louis. Hey, Julie. Hey there. Hey, I want to start by saying I was not in favor of McCarthy being voted out yesterday. However, when it took 15 votes just for him to get the seat in January, that was a flashing warning light for us. I personally think we should have chosen somebody else yesterday. I heard beautiful speeches by Republicans in favor of McCarthy and boy, I couldn't help but think, man, if we had somebody with that kind of passion, I just don't think McCarthy is passionate about the principles. And his concession speech yesterday showed me that it was really about him when he was talking about how he was brought up and this and that. Well, well, that's how he started. And but I I I know. I, but as he went into I, it, he took questions, and I thought he—I didn't think he was really talking about himself at all. In the beginning, he just said, listen, I think it's important for him to point out, for you guys that don't know me, that don't follow me around in the halls like the Fox reporters or the CNN reporters, let me just tell you about myself. I'm no man of privilege. Working class, uh, community college, uh, came into this late, hit the lottery. $5,000 is hardly a, a, a you know, a... Uh, hardly a flood of cash, but to get in, decides I'm going to start getting into Congress, work my way up, and this is where I'm at. And now let me tell you, I'm going to be leaving. You know, I'm, I'm not leaving Congress, but I'll leave. But I thought he, I thought he did a good job. I'm, thought, I'm surprised, Julie, that you thought he was self-centered in that speech. I did. And really, you know, that he hung so tightly to becoming speaker in the first place, going through 15 votes. I, I, I don't, love McCarthy. I was fine with him. He has talent, but um, I just think this could have been avoided. Did you like uh, Paul Ryan? I loved him um, at the time, yes. And then hindsight, I'm like, I'm looking at him going, well, maybe he was, you know, too much part of the swamp, but I I really loved and supported him. What about about John Boehner? I've never cared for John Boehner. Right. It's impossible. It's the most unlikable position, evidently, unless you're Nancy Pelosi or a Democrat. They love Hakeem Jeffries on the left. They love Nancy Pelosi. They every Everyone says she's a goddess. They're, gonna, they're already baking statues of her. So uh, for Republicans, they just don't like the person in charge. I don't know. Danny, did people like Denny Hastert? He ended up leaving in scandal. Newt Gingrich, they kicked him out. So I appreciate everyone's opinion. You don't have to agree with me. Uh, from what I could tell, this is a total, it was a total circus and it was totally unnecessary. Hey, back to wrap things up. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Didn't have a crazy game. And, uh, you know, Mr. Pfizer, we kind of shut him down a little bit. He didn't have, you know, his, like, crazy impact game. Obviously, he had, you know, some yards and stuff. But I felt like for the most part, you know, we played really tough on defense, especially the last three quarters. Of course, Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee broadcast, uh, podcast he's on every week. Uh, coming out back off his Achilles tendon, attended the game against with the Jets and Chiefs. Crowd roared. Loved having him there, but if Taylor Swift was the bigger story, but he talked about Jason Kelsey, uh, Travis, uh, uh, Travis Kelsey coming out and, and basically saying, going out for the shot, go get your booster. So he called him uh, Mr. Pfizer. It's kind of funny, don't you think? Then he also said that uh, Zach Wilson is being ripped apart because he's part of cancel culture. 
not sure if that's cancel culture. I just think Jet fans are getting impatient, thought he'd be better as a backup, and he was terrible last year before he got there. But I am pulling for Zach Wilson, too, and I do think he's been unfairly criticized. Quick note, Teddy and Booker T is coming out uh, on November 7th. Uh, had two American icons blaze the path to racial equality. You'll love their individual stories, and now they coincided. I'm going to have a chance to to go live on stage on Fox Nation and, of course, you can see me see the whole thing live. It is fantastic. Uh, we have fun, and it's interesting. It's very patriotic, motivational, inspirational night. Uh, the Vogel in Red Bank, New Jersey. I'll be in Ponte Vedra, WOKV listeners there, Huntsville, Alabama, then Montgomery, then Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania on the 15th. The next day I'll be in Holland, Michigan. And then we have off until July to January 20th. We'll be in Skokie, Illinois, and Juliet, Illinois, right after that. Just go to BrianKilme.com. There's also VIP opportunities, and uh, and also you'll get Fox Nation opportunities there. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Keep it here. Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.